All right, grab your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah. You ought to know where Nehemiah is by now, but we're going to kind of cover a few things that we've already gone over, but kind of look back. So we're actually in Nehemiah chapter one. We're in this series that we've called Broken. And the idea here is that God is in the business of bringing restoration. God is in the business of rebuilding, restoring, and bringing revival into our lives, into our family, into our community, into the world. That's what he's all about. But the interesting thing is God could do this without us, but he chooses to use us. He chooses to work through us. And so uh, part of this uh, series is meant to be an inspiration, if you will, that each one of us need to play our part in the rebuilding and the restoring and in the revival that takes place all around us, that if we are willing to listen to God, he's going to call us into that process, even in the midst of our own family. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to be on mission. If you didn't get that uh, pretty important message for the life of our church, I would encourage you to get that CD and listen to it. But I would title today's message, uh, On Mission Part Two. And I'm just going to cover a few points, and then I'm going to invite some people onto the stage who are living on mission. But we talked last week that we exist as a church to see transformation of people. One of our values is life change. We know that a person can come to church every day of their lives and never really experience life change. And, and we just don't wanna be that kind of church, that we don't wanna play church. We don't want this to be something you do just to check a box, but we want the spirit of God to be moving in you in such a way that you are actually being transformed. That when you look back over the last 12 months that you can say, man, I'm a different person because what's taken place in my life. We wanna help foster that in your life. So we exist to bring about life change in people, but we also exist to, to, to bring about life change in our city. That's why the things like Covenant Community Care and Sword Tutoring and Eagle Sports and the Counseling Center are all a part of what we do. It's a way for us to bring transformation in the city, and we also want to have transformation in the world, which is why we have world-class partners serving in really all over the world, right? And we, we believe that this is going to happen through a movement of God's Spirit that's unleashed through a continual posture of hearing God and being obedient to what he says. We summarize this as hear and obey, that to be a disciple of Jesus, I just had this conversation last week. Somebody came and said, well, what, do we, how, what is it we're chasing after? What is a disciple? And for me, a disciple is someone who hears God's voice in their life and then does whatever it is God is prompting them to do or responds to those invitations of God. To hear and obey is to be a disciple. So part of our role is to help you to discern how to hear the voice of God in your life, whether that's just through quiet prayer, whether that's through the scriptures, where that's through the body. That's why the D groups become so critical because it's a way for us to learn together how to hear God's voice in our lives. So the hear and obey is critical to what we do as a church, right? And when you get to that point where you're hearing God and, and you're in that situation of hearing obey, here's what I can tell you is gonna happen. Uh, God is going to put you in places where you are somewhat uncomfortable. God is going to stretch you and, and, and ask you to do things that you wouldn't naturally do. And so sometimes that includes acts of kindness, moving towards people that you wouldn't normally move towards. Sometimes it includes extending forgiveness to someone. It always includes extending the forgiveness to someone. And sometimes you're in that dialogue with God and God says, I want you to forgive. And you say, yeah, but they don't they haven't asked for forgiveness. They don't deserve forgiveness. You have no idea what they did to me, but God's gonna stretch you and he's gonna ask you to extend forgiveness anyway. It includes changing jobs sometimes or moving. All kinds of things come into play when we begin to listen to the spirit of God in our lives and move in obedience. 
So if you have Nehemiah open, I would just want to look at the very last part of the last verse in chapter one and the first couple of verses of chapter two uh, to get to my first point. And, and, and this is where Nehemiah says these words at the end of chapter one. He says, I was a cupbearer to the king. And at first glance, we could easily think that that's a pretty petty job, that it's a, it's a lowly job. Basically, you know, his job was to make sure there was no poison in the food or in the wine, so he would taste it first. But the truth of the matter is, he was probably the most trusted person in the king's court. He was the single most trusted. Who would you entrust with your very life every time you came to the table, every time you took a sip of wine? This is the person that made sure it was safe for him. So he is rose to a level of, of authority and a level of, of trust that he is really the king's right-hand man. This is a big deal. To be the cupbearer was more than just being a petty servant. It was a very entrusted person. It also means that he lived in a very luxurious place. He hung out in the palace. He had a lot going for him, right? So, so here's Nehemiah. He's the cupbearer to the king. And then look at chapter two. It says it was the month of Nisan, the 20th year of the king, when wine was before him. I took up the wine and I gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad? And seeing that you're not sick, there's nothing but sadness of heart. And then just if you underline your Bible, maybe underline these words. It says, then I was very much afraid. Why was he afraid? He was afraid because it was actually a punishable by death thing to come before the king and not be happy. The king is so important that he expects anybody that walks in his presence to be happy just to be in front of the king. He knew that he could actually be punished because he was sad in front of them. So there's a huge risk that he's taking, and that's the first thing I want you to hear. To, to be like Nehemiah, to be a person that hears and obey means that you have to have to be willing to take risk. God is going to call you to take risk. To hear and obey means that you're going to take risk. We had an exciting weekend. We, at the end of this eight-month discipleship process that we call the journey, which just ended, we take uh, everybody that went through it to a high adventure camp, and we went to a camp in the west side of the state, uh, Bear Lake Bible Camp. It was awesome. It was great. We were with a, a big group of people. But one of the things we do there is we do what's called a high ropes course. If you want to put that first picture up, that would be great. So this is yesterday uh, morning before the rain showers came. We were up on the high ropes course. I'm not sure who that is. That's one of your uh, people from Grace on the uh, rickety ladder thing there. She's about 20 feet up in the air walking across that. Of course, she has a safety harness on. But I can tell you uh, it was a scary thing. And so what happens is we get all these adults to this high ropes course, and for the vast majority of us, uh, this is a big deal. It's a scary thing. And then we encourage you to take a risk. Do more than you think you can do. Stretch yourself. Get up there. For a lot of people, it becomes very life-giving for them to do something that they've never done before. It's just this beautiful picture. The one thing that I really love, so that's me up there in the orange, and I was up there pretty much the whole time kind of helping people and talking to people as they went through uh, but I've never seen people pray so much. <laughs> and the prayers were something like this. Help me, Jesus. 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 And at first, I found it was funny. And after a while, I was like, man, we should like always be like that, right? Like our lives are really probably more precarious than we think they are. We battle against spirit. I mean, if there's a lot going on. Like we should always have that posture of every step. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And it just was a, a beautiful picture. The other thing I love about doing the high ropes course with people is that uh, the people underneath 
spend a lot of their time just encouraging those who are up there doing it. It's a beautiful picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. We see people who are struggling. We see people that are having a hard time, and we just become encouragers. You can do it. You have what it takes. Hey, I know this is hard for you. Keep going. There's places where people get stuck literally, and they can't go any further because they're scared. And it's the people down below who sometimes are even praying for them and, and giving them words of encouragement that allow them to take the next step and move along the course. It's great. The next picture, um, I love. This is your very own Allie. Um, and I just wanted to put this picture up because I want to tell everybody that that's a fake smile. Uh, she was a scared and courageous. It was a beautiful thing, but she was willing to take some risk and stretch herself, and I saw her physically shaking yet moving through the course uh, with great courage and adrenaline. It was just a, a beautiful thing. So, uh, continue on. Nehemiah 2, chapter 2, look at verses 4 and 5. It says, Then the king said to me, what are, you, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me. Again, if you underline in your Bible, underline the word send me to Judah, the city of my father's grave, that I may rebuild it. To be a person that hears and obey, you have to be willing to take risks, but you also have to be willing to go wherever God calls you. And trust me, for Nehemiah, this was a huge sacrifice. He lived in the palace. He lived in a very posh place. He lived in a place of comfort. And going to Jerusalem, while Jerusalem was in ruins, was just, a, it was a huge stretch for him. He was not going someplace where he would be comfortable. He was being stretched, but he was willing to go. To hear and obey means you have to be willing to go where God calls you. And then look at verse 18 again in chapter two. It says, and I told them the hand of my God that had been upon me. For good, And I also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. The key words here, if you want to underline something, is the hand of my God that had been upon me. To hear and obey, to be in the middle of God's will, to know what God is calling you to do, to go where God is calling you to go, to take risks because God is calling you to take risks, means that the hand of God is going to be with you. That God is going to bless what he's called you to do. That the power of God is going to be behind you. To hear and obey, to be in the center of God's will, means that the hand of the Lord is going to be upon you. So this is what we've learned so far as we've moved through Nehemiah. For the rest of this morning, uh, I'm going to invite some dear friends up here. And they are all living out the very principles that I just explained. The idea of being willing to take risk. The idea of willing to go where God is sending and the idea of just knowing that God's hand is with them. So if I could get Nerflet and Shanae and Penny, Allie, Gerald, if you guys could all come up, could you guys welcome them to the stage? We should welcome one more time. That was kind of weak, guys. We're done with the, we're done with the golf clap, by the way. The babies are gone. So, uh, we have some transition uh, ahead of us, and we are going to spend some time talking about those transitions. Uh, while we were at camp, we were only there from Friday evening, well, Friday afternoon, uh, and then I left Saturday night, which means we had five, four meals. Uh, by the fourth meal, uh, Saturday night, everyone had picked their tables and were sitting in the exact same seats. And it just, it was sort of like God was using that to show me how quickly we fall into what we like right? That, there's a routine there. So here we had the group of guys. They didn't just sit at the same table. They sat in the exact same seats at the table, even after four meals. Or some of you, I gave somebody a hard time this morning. 
they're fairly new to grace and they're in their seat, right? They know where you like to sit. You don't like change. Well, today we're going to talk about some change. Uh, I told you last week that more change was coming and, and that we'd be talking about it. And I just want to encourage you uh, that God is in this. If you're going to follow God, uh, you are going to experience change. He is going to call you to new things. He's going to do exciting things. And that's part of what you're going to hear this morning. So I just encourage you to stay with us as we get through this whole conversation, because this is some good and exciting stuff. So it starts uh, with uh, the Shoemakes and Norflet and Shanae have accepted the call to be lead pastors of a church here in Detroit on the west side. And uh, so they are going to be transitioning uh, into lead pastor roles. You can mourn for that. It's, a, it's okay. Um, but it's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. So when I talked about the fact that if we are going to hear and obey, uh, you got to go where God sends you. And uh, we have spent several months talking about this. One thing I love that Norfolk has communicated is uh, they were not uh, looking for a place. There wasn't a, a problem here that was causing them to be, I got to get out of this place. Uh, this was something that was brought to them uh, that they felt like they had to pay attention to. And we just began to pray together. Uh, and it was pretty clear to me right from the very beginning uh, that this is what God was going to do, and I just was kind of waiting for them to uh, get that same nudge, and so now we're celebrating uh, this transition. Um, so, Shanae, I would love for you to kind of just lead us out and just talk about what God has been stirring in you, what you're excited about, what you're looking forward to, uh, and we'll also talk about how they're going to continue to work with us uh, in the year ahead too. So, but right now, what are you going to be doing and what has God called you to? Where's the church? What are you excited about? Yeah. Tell us whatever you want to. Okay. I think the first thing that I want to tell you that I didn't say in the first service was when we knew that the opportunity would be coming for us. And when we finally got to the point where we were saying yes to what we since um, God wanted us to do, We've always been intentional about every transition that we've had in our lives of having a team of people praying for us. For sure. um, and so we got a hold of that team of people who are not necessarily here at Grace. And we said, this transition is coming. Uh, the church that we're going to is Life Changers International Ministries. It's on the west side of Detroit. And um, the pastors are Pastor Stacy and Dottie Foster. Well, they planted this church. Uh, they've been a spiritual mom and dad to us. That's not the reason that we're going. But they are getting their announcement today as well um, as we speak. And so um, we knew that there would be some mourning and some celebration for that community. Sure. Uh, and so we kind of just called up, you know, our prayer warriors and said specifically to them, we have a transition coming. Uh, one person told me, it was Beth Sham, that transition is really the death of one thing and the birth of something new. Uh, and so we need to mourn what we need to mourn and acknowledge that, and we need to celebrate what we need to celebrate. And that's a good word for us. <clears throat> I want you to hear that. That is exactly where we need to be as a body. There's parts about this that have, that have brought tears to my spirit and my eyes and parts yeah. of this that I just couldn't be more excited. And you can hold both those things at the same time. That's the beauty of being human. Yeah. We get to be complex yeah. like that. Amen to that. And so when we knew all of this was happening, you know, we, we thought about both communities. We thought about key people in those communities. And we just called up our prayer team and said, 
Would you be praying for Grace? Would you pray for our leaders? Would you pray for Pastor Doug and Meg? Would you be praying for Life Changers? Would you pray for their leaders? Would you pray for Pastor Stacy and Pastor Dottie? And would you be praying for us and praying for our family? So even though we're living in this intersection of grief and celebration, sure. you know, you all need to know that, that we're a global body yeah. and that people have been praying for you yeah. and praying for our Grace communities and praying for our Life Changers community and the leaders there. Um, what I'm excited about is two things. Um, I'm going to be co-leading with FLAT, and so I'll be doing half of the preaching and teaching um, as much as I can. Zoe's a senior, right, uh, senior next year, so uh, you probably will see a lot of abysmal Facebook posts, um, 2017 and 2018, because she's my last one. She'll be graduating, so I'll be preaching and Transitions teaching. Transitions need to be mourned and celebrated. Right. Right. You might want to have that tattoo right. somewhere, right? Yeah, Flood is like, I'm going to have to pick her off the floor. That's real. I probably would be that parent, like, oh, dressed in black and sackcloth and ashes at graduation. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to be preaching and teaching and leading. Uh, Life Changers is a, a solid community, like here at Grace. Great. And they have amazing leaders. So I'll be doing some training with the leaders for ministry and um, helping Flat chart the next steps, so I'm pretty excited about that. But I'm also excited because um, for the next year, I'll still be anchoring the restorative prayer team here. Uh, I'll still be here. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, leading on Tuesdays, uh, prayer sessions, and talking with some key leaders. We have some amazing people who are part of the restorative prayer team, talking about how we can get more of the body involved, uh, bringing some of our leaders from Life Changers here to get some training to do restorative prayer. Um, because for me, I know that we'll be on the West side, um, uh, but, you know, the body of Christ is a global body. Amen. And uh, we're one church. And so uh, I, just real quick, the beginning of the year, Splat and I were just praying about our transitions um, and what God wanted to do. We listened to this powerful podcast, and the whole premise of the podcast was God's not doing the next thing. He's doing a new thing. Um, and I do think in some ways having some type of partnership or For collaboration sure. with other churches, uh, resourcing one another, resourcing people, really is a new thing that we don't see a lot in the city. And so we're looking forward to being a part of that. Yeah, and I think we're going to model something for other churches. So, um, so part of what Shanae's alluding to um, or talking about is the fact that we've, uh, in conversation and prayer, really discerned that we are not really setting them free. We're just, they're going to go do that, but they're going to continue to do some uh, pretty incredible things for us to restorative prayer as part of that. But um, Flett is still going to lead worship once a month. We should clap for that. Probably means he's going to drag some of his kids along. We're still going to push hard to keep the kids being in both places and leading worship with us. Um, yeah, they're, they're going to feel tugged in two directions for sure. Um, uh, then the other thing that Flood's going to do for us, which I'd rather he tell you a little bit about this, um, but he's going to uh, kind of launch a new initiative here at Grace that has been a prayer of mine uh, really for the last three years, and I've known we were supposed to do it. We've just never had the right circumstances to pull it off, and that's often how it is with me. I feel like God tells me what we're going to do, and then makes me wait impatient a little bit of even Mel's prayer this morning. Uh, sometimes God gives us a, a clear understanding of what, but the wind doesn't come nearly as quick as I want, but I feel like the wind is coming. 
and so tell us a little bit about the worship stuff uh, that you're going to be doing and just kind of what's going on in your spirit and how you're feeling. All right, so I'll get to that. Uh, good afternoon, family. It's after 12 now. So. Uh-oh, that means we have to talk extra fast. <laughs> so, uh, so let me just say first thank you to you all. Um, you know, being here for the last three years, you know, I've shared the story of when God said, hey, why don't you come hang out at Grace? We were like, really, Jesus? Grace? Uh, that was just not on our radar, but I didn't finish a sentence on just how grateful that we are that we've been here for the last three years. So thank you for being so gracious to my family, my wife, and my kids. We've loved being here. So kudos to you, and I give you an applause. That's been wonderful. Uh, and into Doug. So, you know, um, you know, sometimes you come on a Sunday and you just see what looks easy. Uh, but this man works really hard to serve this body. I'm very concerned to shepherd this body and love you all well. And I just want to acknowledge that Thank and just you. give honor where honor is due. We love you. We appreciate you. Love you too. Yeah. Who knew that three and a half years ago at a Starbucks coffee that this would be what's going on? And so just really grateful. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other part of this is just the idea that, you know, I talked a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago about, you don't talk about my mama, my wife, my kids, or Detroit. And so one of our, right, one of our great passions is the city of Detroit. And, uh, and so we love the fact that on the east side, um, we're preparing for revival. And that's really our heart on the west side is like, you know, we want God's kingdom to show up. Amen. You know, we don't just want good church. And you go, man, I had church today. No, no, we want the kingdom of God to just be um, explosive in this city so that really that we rebuild from the ashes. And uh, so you could be praying with us in that, uh, in that endeavor. And so uh, one of the commissions is to do what we would call a worship institute. And really it's thinking about those who have a calling or a nudging from the Lord to say, hey, I want to be in worship ministry as young worship leaders. Now you see young Bryce Gray up here doing his thing. And boy, he tore up uh, Yes and Amen. That boy sang that song. And uh, it was awesome. And, uh, but to be able to partner with him and help him grow as a worship leader, you know, I've been doing this for about 25 plus years. And to be able to walk alongside a young Bryce Gray and be able to say, hey, man, you can do it. You can. And, and think about worship in the sense of, you know, what you see on Sunday mornings should be a reflection of a private life. It's always private before it's public. And so we Amen. don't come out here to perform uh, because what we understand is that God does not anoint an instrument or voice. He anoints a heart. And so how do we prepare hearts for God's anointing in the same way that the scriptures teach us that when God anointed David as king, the Holy Spirit rushed upon him. And so can you imagine the Holy Spirit rushing upon us, right? And so that's kind of what my heart is, is how we can help these uh, young folks or you know, older folks, whoever feels like they've got a commission. And when we define a worship leader, anybody who's in worship ministry, so the ones that's on the drums or on the guitar, you're part of worship ministry and God wants to anoint your hearts. And uh, so that's what we'll be doing for the next Year or so. So the plan is uh, still going to help be helping out, leading worship once a month. Shanae's going to keep anchoring the uh, restorative prayer and, and playing a huge role, which is it's huge for us. That's been a just a profound ministry uh, that they brought along with us. And then uh, this worship institute is kind of like a uh, discipleship school for people who are really feeling the call into worship. And God has just really brought us a lot of young uh, people who are trying to figure this out, and everybody's not super young, but they're young in this journey anyway. Uh, and we just wanted to really pour into that and see, and I just think it's a great kingdom investment. And I know without a doubt, they're not all going to end up leading worship up here, uh, but it doesn't matter. That's the kingdom. That's mm -hmm. really what we're talking about is be, you're just training and equipping and being yeah. sent. So yeah. So amen to that. All right. So you're probably wondering 
if everybody's transitioning, because they're all up on the stage. Uh, everyone is going through a transition, but each transition is a little bit different. Uh, so uh, I'm going to pass it all the way down to Penny. And starting June 1st, Penny is being tr uh, transitioning from uh, being the director of women's ministry to being the mentoring pastor. Whoop, whoop. Thank you. And uh, I met with a group of people last night uh, at the retreat and kind of talked about this with them. And what I said to them is we finally just given Penny the title that she's been doing for the last decade anyway. Uh, she is my mentor. She is many of our mentors. She's the first person to come in the office and shut the door and tell me when I'm being a jerk, uh, which sometimes I need to hear. Uh, hopefully not as often as I used to need to hear it, but she's been uh, just an incredible a mentor to me. So she's going to move to part-time because she wants to spend a little more time with her grandbabies and just feels like that's the season of life. She's been praying about this uh, for a couple of years and uh, maybe wrestling with God a little bit in the process. But uh, so she's going to be here three days a week and she's just going to mentor uh, the women and mentor those of us on staff that, that uh, uh, when she needs to, she'll be the one to come in and Shut the door. Tell us what we need to hear. And I'm super, super glad for what she's going to do. So, Penny, tell us a little bit about what's stirring in your heart, what you're excited about. and uh, um, I'm excited about a lot of things. Uh, 20 years ago, God called me to sit with women and to listen to their hearts and to walk on sacred ground with them. And that um, call hasn't changed. It's still just so close to my heart. It's what gets me up in the morning. And um, so I'll still be doing that. And that is just um, an incredible blessing that I will be able to do what I love to do best and really what he's equipping me to do. So the transition, though, so I know that part about me, but the transition starting a few months ago, Doug and I began to talk about when. And then it was kind of, it switched from, like, I'm so excited about this to, oh, this is coming along soon. <laughs> and so um, I had to do a lot of deep soul searching. I cried a lot in every meeting. They, I had Kleenex next to me. They knew, and it, it, I kept going to the Lord and going to the Lord. So at the re recent women's retreat, I, we were going to talk, and um, I was going to pray for Allie and so on and so forth. And, um, you guys are going to make the announcement to the we're, women? Yep, we're going to make the announcement. And I, was, I woke up weeping uh, at 6 a.m., and I thought, this, I don't want to do this. I don't know what to do. What am I, you know? So as I was walking, and he always um, gives me the, Corey Tenboom said that God always gives her the train ticket just in time, not always ahead of time. And so that's what he has done with me a lot. So I'm walking towards the meeting, and um, God spoke to me. And when you hear the Father's voice, changes everything That's for sure. in, in, a, in a second. So he said, you think that Doug has given you this position or this role or Grace has given you this or the elders, but he said, I have given this role and this Amen. position to you. And so I felt his strength coming into me right then, and it changed my thinking, everything. So that was really when the excitement started was, oh, that's right. You know, God is, has equipped me, and he is doing that. So I'm very excited to um, be transitioning out of this role that um, this wonderful woman here, Allie LaFleur, is transitioning into. And um, I am privileged. I, I love walking 
alongside women, but this woman, I've walked with her um, side by side for a year, and I, I oh, see, here it goes. We're used to it, Penny, it's okay. I, um, I cannot hardly find words to tell you about this woman. She has a heart that is seated, seated, um, cemented in Jesus. So she is going to bring to the women here at Grace, all of you um, and more, um, a way of thinking and looking at the cross, at who Jesus is. She will, um, God has particularized her actually to do this job. This was way before she even knew anything. And um, she is well-equipped. I said earlier, she's younger than I am. And because um, I'm on the other end of this and she's just beginning and it's just exciting for me to watch. So I want um, to ask you, this is Ellie LaFleur. She and is, she is going your to, new director she, of Women's She's Ministries. the new director of Women's Ministry. You can call her. So I want to ask you, what are you excited about? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, so my journey started actually when I was about 15 or 16 years old when I went to a camp and they asked if anyone was feeling the call for full-time ministry. And at that moment, it was so intense, that feeling that I had to stand up and be like, this is what I'm being called to do. And so over the years, I was kind of like, you know, planning, you know, taking the role from God, you know, like, I got this, this is what I want to do, A, B, and C. And then as the years went by, it didn't necessarily come into fruition, what I was thinking or hoping. And so I decided to go on a path that I knew I could do. Like I knew that I could put it in a little pretty box and just take over, you know? And so I did, and I went into teaching. And with teaching, I had a one-year plan and then a five-year plan and a 10-year plan, and I knew what my future looked like. And so, and then isn't, I even justified it by, funny. yeah, so I even justified it and I said, well, you know, maybe God was calling me into full-time ministry in teaching. So, but it really, it was this, I was holding it so tightly, holding my future and that control. And when Penny asked me to go to dinner with her and she um, was saying like, hey, your name came up for when we were praying about this transition, I was like, well, I have my plan. <laughs> I have my five-year plan. And so I had to... Um, I took a couple months to pray over it and I had to let it go and open my hand up and just now on a daily basis, I'm asking God, like, what do you want me to do today? And what do you want this to look like? And while teaching was amazing and I was good at it, I could do that without God, really. Like I can go in and I can make the schedule. I can teach the kids. This job, I can't. I'm constantly asking him, who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to do? And so what I'm excited about in women's ministry is really getting to know all the women, building that relationship and sharing my story and then hearing your story. So over the past year under um, taking the journey class, I was at High Adventure Camp. You saw me up there. I was happy. Faking a smile. I was happy. Yeah. Well, I was happy. But um, I over doing the journey and then like walking with Penny side by side, we were attached at the hip for this past year. Um, I learned the importance of my own story and where I used to really value other people's story and see their story as unique and useful. I didn't see that in my own story. 
And so what I would love to do is help women realize, and men, but women, that's who I'll be working with, realize that your story, you have a purpose, you have a story. Like there's reasons you went through everything you've gone through. And so helping them get to a point to realize that you should start sharing and spreading and teaching women about your story because someone needs to hear it. That's great. That's awesome. So, Ali, I just want to affirm um, that I watched you live into your calling this weekend, and uh, we're up there with all those adults, and I just watched you uh, mentor women, love on women. Um, you are wise beyond your age, and you just, it was really cool to just, for me, it was an affirmation that we've made a great choice just watching you do what you do naturally and love people well, so you're going to be great uh, in this position, and we're super excited that you've uh, decided to be on the journey with us, so. Blessings. Uh, so the big question becomes, uh, why is Gerald on the stage? Uh, with the transitions uh, with Norflet, uh, Gerald is going to take on some of what Norflet was doing, and his job has changed from being the 1030 pastor to basically being the discipleship pastor, which means he's basically going to oversee uh, what happens from birth to death. He's going to help us think about having, it sounds like a pretty big job, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, he's gonna help us to have kind of a cohesive, well through, thought through discipleship process, uh, starting with when we're with the kids in elementary, all the way through uh, young adults and then into adulthood and trying to really say, are there some commonalities that we need that become just things that we're teaching all the way through? Uh, as we've talked, it's just become very clear that what the Lord wants us to do is really connect uh, as, um, two people just trying to lead together. So we're gonna lock arms and do this thing uh, as partners. And in a lot of ways, uh, he's, and I don't even like this term, but he's gonna become my right hand. Um, but we're just gonna do this arm in arm and he's gonna help uh, pull this all off. So his job is changing tremendously. That means the small group ministry that Flat was overseeing, teaching ministry, uh, he'll still be preaching a lot, um, sharing the pulpit with me, but it'll also be uh, launching some new initiatives that I wanted to have a minute to tell you about uh, this morning. But again, I would love for you just to share what you're excited about in the new role, but everybody, this is your new discipleship pastor. And you know what? Before he talks, I do want to say one thing. Um, everyone on this stage is a gift to me, uh, and they all, in different ways, have come in different ways, but uh, we searched and searched and searched for Gerald Coleman. We didn't know it was Gerald Coleman, but we searched. We had uh, people searching for us. I, I easily had hundreds of resumes. I don't know how many hundreds, but hundreds for sure. Uh, and it just never was right. And this brilliant man named Martin Sanders said, maybe you guys should stop searching and start praying. I hate it when people get all spiritual like that, right? Um, <laughs> and we did. We actually kind of put the search aside and said, okay, we're just gonna fast, we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask God to bring, and Gerald found us. He kind of stumbled upon us. As I know the story, it wasn't really, uh, it, it just, it was a total gift from God. And he is exactly, uh, you, you are a gift to me. You are exactly what we need and who we need. And uh, I thank God every day that you're on the team here. So thanks, thanks for finding us. Thank you, you're all really kind, but put me on the prayer list. <laughs> um, going from 1030 now to, I guess, from the womb to the tomb. Um, but 
you know, it's, uh, it is a lot. Can't wait to see that t-shirt. <laughs> it, it is a lot, but I am really excited about it. Um, looking forward to, you know, this is when you talk about it from being over everything from birth to the ascension, if you want to say that, um, it sounds like a lot, but we really do have great people in place yeah, already here at Grace. And so it's, more, it's not so much of me creating all of those things, but it's locking arms with those who are already doing it and just helping to create a cohesiveness all throughout in terms of building a discipleship culture. So really excited about that. Um, and thank you all for uh, receiving my family and I so well and uh, just uh, embracing us and loving on us. And uh, more and more, this feels like home. And so we're uh, grateful to be here. Uh, one of the initiatives that we're pretty much going to look at first is uh, in the area of our teens and worship. So on the 18th of June, we'll be going to one service. Uh, you've heard that announcement. Well, at the same time, we'll be launching a teen service uh, downstairs uh, where the teens will have their worship. They'll be leading it. Um, they'll be learning to lead it. Uh, they'll be teaching there for them. Uh, and it's just a great opportunity for them to really engage in worship. And we're just hoping that the Holy Spirit breathes uh, through that service and really empowers them and uh, really speaks to their hearts so that we could have a, a revival culture here at Grace among our youth, uh, as many of you have been praying for. So we're really excited about that. That means um, that we have a lot of gifted young people in terms of artists, musicians, singers, and uh, hopefully they'll have the opportunity to be using and exercising their gifts and their talents and leading others in, in worship. And so we're really excited about that. And so uh, continue to pray for us and uh, that we transition well. That's great. So one of the things that comes out of that, so if you think about that service, that's where the, what Norflet's doing becomes so instrumental and what G is dreaming about doing because some of that place where people can express their worship skills and learn is gonna be in that second environment. So we'll have another place uh, for yeah. the worship stuff to happen. Oh, and one more thing. I don't want to forget that um, our youth uh, have been poured into uh, over the past year, I believe, um, or maybe two years, uh, through two, two years, volunteers. Yeah. And Well, I can't say volunteers. Let me say two leaders yep. who have been pouring out their hearts to our youth. And that's Tony Simarusti and Jay Hill. And uh, yeah, see. <laughs> really, really grateful for what they have done. Not only have they led and sacrificed, but they've each formed teams and had those teams leading those teams. And there were teams on those teams. And so it was very, uh, we're very grateful for, sure. uh, for their leadership too. Big deal. It's awesome. So what I'd like to do um, is I would like to invite the families of those who are sitting up here, uh, staff, if you would come up as well. And I would like um, us to pray uh, over uh, everyone who's up here on the stage in the transition. And I really want us to close the service with um, one song of worship. Uh, we're going to just worship with you and have Norflat hold the mic and worship. One thing we didn't say that's, I think, important to say is the timing of your transition. So you're not gone today. And that uh, will be, I think, uh, the beginning of August. So, so end of July, beginning of August is when that will kind of take place. Okay, so every time he leads worship, we're all going to be crying like a baby. So. Me too. Right. I just want to say I love you guys. And, uh, we love you. you know, this has been uh, happy, sad, 
happy, sad, happy, yay. Uh, because we really do love you, really appreciate being a part of this body. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, the Shoemake family. Thank you for uh, just the way the kids have blessed me, uh, even this morning, just watching them worship, um, being in the mosh pit down there, and just, uh, I just love it. I love the way they, um, I love the way they just worship you unencumbered. I love what they bring to grace. Thank you for the gift that the Shoemake family have been and will continue to be to us as a church. Thank you for Norfolk's friendship. Thank you for his encouragement. Thank you for um, him being obedient to go where you're calling him to go, even to this crazy church called Grace, and just how you have made us a better place because of the shoe makes, and it's just been a beautiful, beautiful thing. Thank you for uh, Penny and her decades of service to this church. I pray that you would just anoint her in this new role as a mentoring pastor, that she would just know that you have called her more and more and more. She would sink into that calling and and do what you've called her to do. I thank you for Allie. I just pray that she would have a double portion of your spirit as she uh, is kind of an Elijah, Elisha sort of story. And um, she's next. I just pray that you would just use her in a powerful way in her new role. And then we do lift up G. He's got a big job ahead of him. I pray that you would give him wisdom, that he would really connect well with the team that's reporting to him now, that he would just love them well and lead them well. Uh, that you would give him clear direction for us as a church. I pray that he and I would continue to grow in our connection with one another, our love for one another, our friendship, and just our uh, partnership in the gospel. I thank you that your church is bigger than grace uh, and that we are a part of your church and that the shoemakers aren't leaving the church. They're just going to the next assignment. And I pray that we would all be obedient to do the difficult things as you call us to do it, that we would be people who hear and obey. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I would invite you to stand up. We're going to worship and uh, close out with song.
give a shout of praise. Hallelujah.